Welcome, everybody. My name is DJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford Church. It's great to have you with us watching online, whether you're a member or just came across this teaching uh, through one of our online platforms. It's really good to have you with us today. Today we're continuing our midweek teaching series called A Path Forward, where we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount through the lens of this is an alternative way to live. This is a, a way that Jesus gave us um, that is a new way to be human, where we can move out of the gridlock and the craziness of our own time and culture and live in a different way and a different reality according to his kingdom principles. Today's teaching is called Realist and Redeemer, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 26. Let's pray together and invite the Lord to teach us today. Jesus, we thank you that we still have this teaching which in many ways is the foundational teaching of what it's like to live in your kingdom. That we have this to lean on and to trust in and to model our lives on today. Help us take your word seriously. Help us believe it and help us live it out through the power of your spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a question for you. Have you ever had or experienced road rage or experienced the road rage of someone else? It's such a common thing in our, in our culture to see people um, flip one another off in the car, or cut one another off, or honk their horn, horns, or yell out the window. Um, I think of uh, a, a story that happened, and I've shared this before at Parker Ford Church, though it was a while ago. One morning I was on my way up to the church to meet with some people here, and at the stop sign right down the road, um, I got cut off by someone who, who ran the stop sign, and it was pretty bad, and immediately I was filled with so much anger, and I almost turned my car, and like I was in the process of turning my car to just like tailgate them and honk my horn and yell at them. I was just, I was immediately so angry, which is a little bit out of character for me, um, but it just, for whatever reason, it just struck me that day, and as I was about to do that, I was so deeply convicted, and the Lord was like, son, you're headed to the church building, to go minister to people and offer counsel. And here you are wanting to chase people down and yell at them because you got cut off. Like, it's just crazy. But that kind of thing is, and I just want to be honest about that sort of thing that wells up within me. And that happens, obviously, all the time. There was another time that I think of when I was driving home from church. I was, I was driving home to have lunch with my family. We live just a few minutes from my office here in the building. So I was driving down, and I was listening to the radio, and, and I was listening to the news on the radio, and they were telling a story about a family of a little girl who um, had been abused uh, really, really badly, and then ended up being tossed out of a window, and she died, and she was like three years old. I have a little girl. I have four children, and I, and I have my own daughter. And I was filled with such deep rage, and I just screamed at the top of my lungs as I was alone in the car, just yelling, like, why, God? Why? Why would you let this happen? And the Lord met me in that space, too, in a different way. Rather than a rebuke, what I heard from him then was, you're feeling what I'm feeling. You're feeling the grief that I feel. Jesus was both a realist and a redeemer. And in this passage, I think we see both. Remember, this is Jesus's central teaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Live differently. Live in a new way because God's kingdom is here. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus's response to how do we live out that truth. And then he gives the Sermon on the Mount to answer that. 
In John chapter 2 um, is where Jesus changed the water into wine. And a few verses later, it says this, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in him when they saw the signs he was doing. But listen to this, verse 24. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Jesus knew exactly what was going on in the motives and in the hearts and in the lives of the men and women of his day as he continues to do today. He knows my motives. He knows your motives. He doesn't need to be told that. He understands it. Dallas Willard says this in The Divine Conspiracy. He says when Jesus, and he's talking about the Sermon on the Mount, he says when Jesus deals with moral evil and goodness, he does not begin by theorizing. He plunges immediately into the guts of human existence, raging anger, contempt, hatred, obsessive lust, divorce, verbal manipulation, revenge, slapping, suing, cursing, coercing, and begging. It is the stuff of soap operas and the stuff of daily news and real life. And we certainly still see that today. This list of raging anger, contempt, hatred, obsessive lust, divorce, verbal manipulation, revenge, slapping, suing, cursing, coercing, and begging. You could easily apply that to our culture. You could easily overlay that description of our culture today and say that is an accurate description of humanity today. It's an accurate description of us today, apart from the redeeming, cleansing work of Christ. In Matthew 5, our verses from the sermon today, starting in verse 21, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Now, before we go any further, remember this, and I, and I said this a few weeks ago in one of the introductory videos to this series. Jesus is going to say a repeated statement going forward. He's going to say, you've heard it said, but I say to you, This is where we get this idea of a path forward, an alternative way of being human. So you've heard it said that you shouldn't murder because whoever murders will face judgment. But I say to you, if you're even angry and hold on to that anger, that you will face the consequences of judgment. And if you insult your brother, and if you, um, if you say you fool, you will be liable to hell of fire. How much is this going on constantly? I mean, think about online platforms, comment sections, or political arguments that are happening where it just goes to rage immediately where it immediately jumps to this uncontrollable rage and where people are saying just outrageous things to one another, just calling one another names and calling each other fool. It's it's so toxic and it's so bad. Jesus goes on to say, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. We don't go to the temple anymore and make offerings, but we might say this before you sit down and listen to a worship service online, before you attend a local worship gathering on Sunday morning, 
before, before you gather with other brothers and sisters, before you pray for your food and bless it, before you go to God in your personal devotions, if there is an offense between you and your brother, go and be reconciled first and then come and bless the food and then come and worship and then come and, and um, observe and, and partake in the content of, of the, the service. He says, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Brothers and sisters, it's probably a good idea for us to meditate on these verses, particularly verses 23 to 24, before we ever go online, <laughs> before any of us make any kind of engagement um, in any kind of online platform that could potentially be contentious, we need to run it through this teaching as followers of Christ. Am I going to be able to walk into this situation and not be led into uncontrollable rage and anger? Anger has an important function. Just like pain, it is a responsive feeling meant to alert our body and our mind, our spirit and our soul, to injury and harm. It is good that fire burns. Because if there was no pain felt, I mean, this is the curse of leprosy. This is the curse of diseases where you stop having nerve feeling. Um, then you get hurt all the time because you can't feel the pain that tells you to pull away. It is good that a child gets burned when they put their hand near a fire. It teaches them not to do it. In the same way, anger has a good function. It's meant to help us know that something is not right, something is unjust, something is wrong. But anger that is left unresolved becomes a festering boil of ego and self-righteousness because unchecked rage is really about me. At the end of the day, it's about me. This is from Dallas Willard, also from the Divine Conspiracy. He says this, we can and usually do choose or will to be anger. So while anger is a feeling that, that happens naturally in response to something, it's usually when we stay there, it's because we've chosen. It's an act of our will. Anger first arises spontaneous, uh, spontaneously, he says, but we can actively receive it and decide to indulge it, and we usually do. We may even become an angry person. And any incident can evoke from us a torrent of rage that is kept in constant readiness. It's like we have a dam built up within us and the waters are pushing against the dam wall and at any given moment we can release it and a torrent, a flood of anger and rage can flood out. And it won't necessarily be the um, appropriate amount of anger for any given situation. It's because it's pent up, it's built up, and we've stored it up so that it's ready to go at any given time. If you're a parent, maybe you've experienced that with your child, where something as small as a spilled glass of milk can cause you to be angry. That doesn't match what just happened. It certainly has happened to me before. The answer, he says, the answer to the question of why people embrace anger and cultivate it is one that we must not miss if we are to understand the ways of the human heart. Anger indulged instead of simply waved off always has in it an element of self-righteousness and vanity. Find a person who has embraced anger, and you find a person with a wounded ego. What I would do is I would apply this not only to us personally, we should, but I would apply this to our culture. So this is my interpretation today, some 20 years after Dallas Willard wrote this. I would just insert the word culture for person. He says, 
We, we might say this, the answer to the question of why a culture embraces anger and cultivates it is one we must not miss if we are to understand the ways of the human heart. Anger indulged instead of simply waved off always has in it an element of self-righteousness and vanity. I mean, think about the self-righteousness and vanity of our culture. Find a culture which has embraced anger and you will find a culture with a wounded ego. Remember these verses from Matthew 5. If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Be reconciled to your brother. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Once again, I invite you to read Matthew uh, chapters 5 to 7, the full sermon on the mount, and ask these questions. Does anger rule over you? Or in Christ, do you have dominion and self-control over anger? How might you pursue reconciliation with an offended brother or sister today? And how does this teaching from Jesus offer us a path forward out of the gridlock of our culture? I pray that this teaching is a blessing and encouragement to you today. Go with God. May you chew on it going forward. May you live it out and walk in his footsteps as his students.